What's up, fam? Welcome to the Mostly Normal Gamers Podcast, episode 139. I gotta get through this intro quick because Chris has salad dressing on his face, I think. <laughs> and I really think, like, Chris is just appearance in general right now is just the reason that we Chicken need salad. to figure out how to put this as a video product on the internet because it's just good stuff. You know what I mean? Chicken I, I, salad? I could do it. I can do it. I, I believe in you. Um, well, yeah. Um, anyway, welcome to episode 139. Uh, you got the full crew here, me, James, Angie, and Chris, as I go from my left to right. What up? Just the proper way of reading things. James, tell me something. In Canada, do you guys read left to right also? Or No, we read. <laughs> yeah, we do. Sweet. And left to right is the, the standard Canadian way of reading. <laughs> if you oh, go to Wisconsin, we read top to bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're drunk, then you read left to right. Yeah. So most of the time it's left to right. <laughs> uh, anywho, yeah, we're excited to have all of us here for at least a little bit. Um, all the people. It just doesn't happen often enough. Uh, but before we get into some of what we've been playing and a bit of news, we'll go through the lowdown. If you want to be part of the conversation or if you have a question to ask us, you can ask us via Twitter at MN Gamers Podcast, or you can email us to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. You can also go to the website, mostlynormalgamers.com, and check out our old Substack newsletter and what else? Photos of some of us. And I think that's about it. And then you can also shoot us a text or email to 507 or text or email, text or voicemail to 507-291-2991. I didn't get any questions this week, but I did get a solicitation phone call. So that was exciting. <laughs> uh, well, with that said, who wants to talk about James? I feel like you rolled credits on Elden Ring. That's pretty exciting. That's yeah, that's the big thing. I literally did it last night at like the very end of my day. I jumped on. I was playing some Apex with some buddies. And then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm going to beat Elden Ring. And that's what I did. So, yeah, that's that's the thing. I got like the evil ending, which I'm assuming like, I chose it. So <laughs> there I go. How many endings um, are there? Is it like Blood I think there's, like there's three or seven. four. Oh my gosh. But but many. like it all depends on like what like you you can do certain storylines throughout uh, the game and whichever ones you follow, you get a specific item you can use or you can do something like for me, I joined a um, essentially a cult that everybody was like, don't don't do this. Don't do this. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do it anyway. And then immediately got everybody angry at me for doing it. And then uh Finish the game by uh, essentially destroying the world. So, wait. So, which of the three cults that want to destroy everything and make people hate you did you play? <laughs> I uh, I joined the Three Fingers. The uh, the what is it? The something flame. The frenzied flame. That so sounds dirty. Just at baseline, Three Fingers <laughs> is not a place. I want to go to well, when everyone else is working with two Look, fingers. It really Angie's suddenly ask. interested. 
Oh, Poor man. shame. I thought this was going a different direction, so I was interested yeah. into why we were going <laughs> this direction. <laughs> Disregard. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. Fuck that game is too long. <laughs> I hear Would people talking. In? Huh? Oh shoot! I don't know. I, oh. I think it's like an hour. Or like uh, my hour count is somewhere around a hundred and. 40 hours. Holy cow, man. Cool, just 20 more to go for me then, and I'll just <laughs> beat it. Dude, are you playing on uh, PlayStation? Nah. Oh. I'm on Xbox. I, so Chris, yeah. I, sorry, I, I don't mean to cut you no, off. Sorry, fine. I just turned my feet up a little bit. That might be fun for me to edit later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, sorry, you... Because you're at the same place where you can just basically go finish whenever you want to. You just don't want to. No, no I'm uh, I got to the top of a thing. There's like a, a snowy area. And I kind of lost track up there because like, even though I felt like there's no way I could level my character up anymore, I feel a little under leveled for some of the fights. And then I got sidetracked by life being busy and weird and uh a little couple game pass games that i think i talked about the last on. i've been playing more citizen sleeper but um i think i'm like probably at the same amount of time like citizen sleeper is supposedly like an eight hour game and if you compress the percentage done with elden ring that i got that's the percentage done i am with citizen sleeper and i haven't finished that gotcha I don't see know. the ending right over the horizon, I swear. <laughs> is it like, uh, so like Bloodborne, if you saved like prior to beating what's-his-face, the fa- final boss, and you like you could come back and redo it over again without having to play, that's how I got the Platinum, like you didn't, you didn't have to play it through three different times, like to oh, get really? all three endings, yeah. So, so you like, like save scummed. You like did a save file and then you like copied that save file and then Yeah, exactly. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And then use the umbilical cords or whatever yeah, yeah. it is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh yeah. So is Elden Ring a similar way or do you have to yeah. play it like you could potentially do it exactly that way too, right? Like you could save scum at the end and uh, just upload it to the cloud and then beat the game, load your previous save from the cloud, uh, use a different item to beat the game. So basically you're collecting these, uh, these special, uh, essentially these special runes or symbols or key items that allow you to create a different outcome. Essentially the, the, I guess the premise is the Elden ring has shattered and you are reassembling the Elden ring and becoming the Elden Lord. So the way you reassemble it determines, I guess, an outcome. I, of course, just forsook, forsook everything and just, nuked everything <laughs> nuked the world <laughs> so it was like i was watching i was like damn it i'm i'm the baddie <laughs> but it was good yeah that's i had a good time a, that's kind of a more cool like thing to do than whatever it was you were doing with the umbilical cords and yeah i don't know what it. the what umbilical cords was really um cryptic and that was probably the most cryptic part of Bloodborne, which to as far as like from soft games, Bloodborne was a pretty coherent story. You like you got enough of the information to know what was going on, 
Whereas like the stuff with the umbilical cords, you really had to get into like the, the weeds to really figure out, Oh, I have to eat a certain amount of umbilical cords and then beat the game. And I get a Mm -hmm. secret ending and I get (laughs) pooped out as a grub. All right. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. (laughs) You become, yeah. Sorry. Spoilers for, for bloodborne. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, it's uh, mostly incoherent anyway. Because it, it, like, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a hard story to spoil, man. Yeah. Ending. But one yeah. of the endings, you become a slug. Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I'm done talking about that. Chris can you can you're good. You're good. You can come back. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chris. I didn't mean to okay. spoil Bloodborne for you. Oh, I, yeah. No, I I think it's so hard to spoil Bloodborne because you could say like I even having listened, I watched a walkthrough like the entire time I platinum that game and I still couldn't tell you what you would have never expected that you'd get pooped out as a bug. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean to but the significance of that, you know what I mean? To spoil something, it has to be like a significant part of the story. And in order for that to be a significant part of the story, you have to be understand what the hell they're talking about and i i disagree with james like i don't i don't and i didn't follow i don't follow it i I mean i think it's awesome i like how to me the mysticism of it is what makes it so interesting to me um but i know a lot of people who like i dig the lore about it that's what i think is so fascinating about it is because there are different several different ways that you can interpret things that happen in most of those games, you know what I mean? And yeah. there's nothing that's clear cut. So you can interpret it a number of different ways. I it's re- it's really cool, too, because Miyazaki wrote these games with um, basically his childhood in mind. When he was a kid growing up, he used to get these books that he didn't really know how to read, like he couldn't read them. And he would borrow them and read them and he loved them. And I don't know if it was a language barrier or if it was just like they were too high level for him. But what he would do is he would read these books and try and extrapolate what he could glean from them. And then he just wrote in his head what he didn't understand. And so he created his own stories, essentially, from pre-existing stories. So that's what he wanted to capture when he made these like Dark Souls and Demon Souls and, and Bloodborne. He wanted to create that sort of like you only get like snippets of the story and you have to write the fill in the blanks essentially. And it's, it's kind of yeah. like these video game Mad Libs that you just, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. you beat your head against a wall because the enemies are hard. Yep. That's me. I beat Elden Ring. I did it. I'm the first person in the world to do it. I'm so proud. I'll accept my trophy. I'm sure no, nobody else has beaten it multiple times. <laughs> within the several months that it came out. Yeah, I've heard people logging like three or four hundred hours on that game already. Yeah, it's so. insane. I, I'm definitely going to do it. I'm playing more. I'm starting a new file. So yeah, so you start a new game plus then? Uh, no, I don't. Doing? I'm not a huge fan of new game plus. I'd rather oh. just start from scratch with a new character and just do everything I already did. But oh, interesting. Different. So yeah, I'm not a I don't know. I don't find new game plus very engaging myself. I just I don't need it to be harder. I've already played 140 hours with that character. I want to play a new character with different abilities. Yeah, I guess yeah. I always like to take it a different direction. Like in yeah. Demon Souls, I'm I was like uh, using a lot of melee combat, and now I'm using a lot of spells and stuff. 
Oh, cool. Yeah, that's I typically switch it up. But anyway, who else wants to talk about games? Chris, Angie, you haven't talked for a while. Tricky doors. I don't know. Sorry, I've I've been kind of helping my nephew with uh, this tricky door situation. Pro gamer coach, Angie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the the tricky doors is on the switch and I found it because it's a puzzle game. It's like you get put in these situations and you have to. Are you watching it, Ty? Okay. So you have to figure out, like, go through these puzzles, get little pieces of information, and try to plug them in in different areas so then you can free yourself from this area that you get stuck in. So the first one is, like, like magic world or magic room or something. Um, and so that's what he's doing. He's putting a potion together right now. But there's a lot of different rooms. I think there was, like, um, the one I did yesterday, I think it was... Like, um, like an orchestra hall, which is really interesting. I don't know. It's just these little pieces of information you have to pe- like put together. Like you have to have math involved or like no history. The, the orchestra one, it was, you have to know some history behind it. The museum, I mean, that's what I meant. Uh, which cool. one? So you're playing it on Switch, is that what you said? Yeah, on the Switch. Did you figure it out? You is it kind of like a classic point and click adventure type thing? or Basically, yeah. So you... Like, click and drag, and there's puzzles within the game, too, that you have to figure out, Um, like... The whole game's a puzzle. The whole game's a puzzle, he said. (laughs) Yeah, basically. And he's... So you have six on one side, so put four on the other side. It kind of looks like mist, but you don't... So then what else plus four is six? Yeah. Yep. I was looking at some screenshots. On the other side. Nope. Yeah, the item bar at the bottom of the screenshots I'm looking at has strong, like, LucasArts adventure game. Yeah. Did you guys grow up, like, liking those games? I never liked point-and-click adventure games. There you go. Mostly because I wasn't smart enough to figure them out. I was too much of a himbo kid, yeah. I got to, I just, I like puzzle games. It just, that's what engages my brain. So I just, Mm -hmm. I just fell into this game. But before this, um, he was playing Dead Space, which I didn't finish yet, but he coincidentally did finish it. Oh, what? Today. But what was really frustrating. uh, Can I tell him, Silas? Yes. Yes. So he was beating the end boss, right? And it has this like weird tentacle like thing that's wrapped around you. And so when he killed it, he ran over to the side. I think you were collecting some items or something. Yes, but... and then the whole tentacle moved and I got glitched stuck in it. Oh, oh no. no. So yeah, it was moving away as part of the end of the game. And then yeah. he got glitched. So he was just stuck. So he followed the tentacle in a glitch motion through the whole end thinking he could just like escape it. But he just got stuck. So I was like, the only thing you have to you can do now is stop the game and go. It like hopefully it will save after you receive the achievement for beating it. Yeah. Then it sent me thirty minutes backwards. Oh, uh, so I got to do it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. So he's not yeah. not happy. That's not ideal. But last week we were talking about how uh, in old school JRPGs you used to get stuck. Like, if you weren't leveled up enough, you would you call it, James? Soft, 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 soft lock. lock. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember, oh. I, I always have to look it up, but uh, there was a Dreamcast turn-based RPG, and this is probably what started my hatred for turn-based RPGs, where I got to the final boss, and I, you couldn't go back, and I wasn't a high enough level to beat it, so I just had to stop playing it, like, however many hours in. 
Yeah, yeah super frustrating. Super frustrating. Like the yeah, traumatic experience <laughs> origin story for somebody's OCD <laughs> diagnosis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Angie, you playing anything else? No. Or just trying to open trick and do- tricky doors. Yeah, yeah, I just oh, fell into a gosh. hole of tricky doors, honestly. It's kind of, it's kind of sad. I'm just up Are they kind of like escape rooms? Yeah, yeah. And oh, you have to cool. find things to escape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool, cool. Chris? I think we have to talk about uh, this is also an intervention. That's why all four of us are here. We need, oh, to, we need to talk about your Hearthstone habit. It's gotten bad. I hit <laughs> level 100 in the battle pass again. Just is that today. Good? Again? Like, how many times is this now? It's the same time I've done it. Oh, okay. So I've never paid for the battle pass. So, like the free track, you end up getting a hero skin at the end. So I picked the Hunter hero skin. But the thing I want to talk about, I don't know how many of y'all play like competitive live service games very much. I know Angie, you play some of like more of the shooters occasionally, but in Hearthstone, it's basically like what if Blizzard made Magic the Gathering, right? And Magic the Gathering is a card game where the cards are physical. And so the only way to adjust the balance of the game is to like ban a card out. Right. Whereas in 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 Magic, sorry, not in Hearthstone, they overlap so much in my brain. And so in Hearthstone, Blizzard will come in and do a patch and adjust a bunch of different cards, which then like tanks the deck you're using because they think it's too competitive of a deck. And I'm bad at the game, so I always look up. Okay, what's a good deck to build? But there's this it's- risk factor where if you if you build too good of a deck, your deck's going to get hit with a nerf bat. <laughs> and you and I have finite resources in the game because I try not to spend money in it. And I haven't been like playing it all the time, right? I take like years and breaks from this game. And so I'd invested heavily in, in Pirate Warrior and Control Warrior. And both of those got hit by the most recent round of nerfs. Oh, um, oh man. The one thing that's good about it is when they nerf specific cards, you're able to get a refund for the full value of it because usually when you destroy the card for like the in-game currency, you get like one fourth, if that. Um, whereas when they hit something with a nerf, you get the full amount back. So you could exchange it for another card of equal rarity. Um, and so I exchanged my Nelly which is this pirate ship giant monster. It's like Nelly, but it's also a pirate ship. Like the 2000s hip hop artist Nelly? No, like, oh, sorry. Like Nessie. It's like the Loch Ness monster, but I think it's called Nelly in in the World of Warcraft universe. It's a pirate ship on its back. And I swapped that for... um, this like hunter hero character that's, you know, in Hearthstone, the thing that like differentiates it a lot from Magic is you have a player character that can interact with the game. And they have these cards that transform your hero character into a, a more powerful version of themselves. And so I exchanged that for the hunter's hero card. And now I get to summon beasts as Tavish. I have a big beast deck. 
um, which is kind of fun, but I also have no clue who I'm playing it. Anyways, Hearthstone's a really well-designed game, and it's bad for me playing other games. <laughs> have you... So, like, I never noticed until people started talking about Diablo Immortal, and y'all may have heard of the article I'm going to reference shortly, and I feel bad not uh, having it right at my fingertips. Is it the the streamer who spent $15,000 getting a rare gem and then destroyed it on stream in protest? No, it was somebody who figured out the, like calculus behind the microtransactions in doom immortal and how it is geared to make you spend the way that it's geared to make you spend more and more money like if you buy ten dollars of something you get like 350 of whatever currency but it turns out after you play the game for three hours you need 360 of said currency to do whatever so then you end up spending 10 more dollars and then that gets you for however many more hours. And then you, it's always like, you're always at a point where you feel like if you spend just slightly more money that you get to where you want to be. And it's constantly like that as you go level up and level up is, has that like insidious microtransaction kind of economy, uh, come into hearthstone because when i played hearthstone it was just like it was a very chill game like you just buy like if you want to spend money it, it in its purest form at the start hearthstone was just like any a card game but it was on your computer right so it's like yeah. you not play magic you you go in and buy the pumps right the differentiator there is in magic you could go buy a whole deck of 60 cards that's ready to play and they didn't have that feature in hearthstone but Hearthstone has a set of cards that all players are able to access, so there's always a way to build a deck out of a pool of cards, right? Um, a lot of that remains true, but now the store page, right? The store page used to be just like, here's where you buy your card. Mm-hmm. And of course, this game's like five years, six years, seven years, eight years into its monetization, right? And so now at the top of the thing, they run these bundles that you can only spend real money on, or you're guaranteed two of the highest rarity cards and you get 20 packs of cards. And then you have to scroll and scroll and scroll through all of these cash only things that are mostly cosmetic to get to the area where you just can spend in-game currency to get cards. Um, And so... It's not quite so insidious as like constantly moving the goalposts so much as constantly promoting things for you to buy before you get to the basic economy of the game, which is spending in-game currency you're earning on cards, um, on packs of cards. And then you get to the loot box aspect, which even in physical card games, would it would still qualify, right? It's like, oh, well, will I get the good pull in this in terms of the rarity? But Hearthstone pulls the classic, like any other Blizzard game rarity system, Diablo Immortal 2 probably, of if you want, you know, it's like commons are, it's it's across all video games now, but I do think it started in Diablo. Uh, You know, white is common, uh, blue is rare, purple is epic, and gold is legendary, right? And so... 
the the strongest, most impactful cards are these legendary cards. Um, Nelly, the Loch Ness Monster, Ship is one of these legendary cards, right? And so the drop rate on those like super super small. The communities come up with this concept called the pity timer, which means if you open X amount of packs of cards and don't have a legendary randomly appear, you're guaranteed to open a pack with a legendary after like a certain amount of pack openings. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's more of that like gambling aspect and less of like you're constantly moving the goalposts. Right. Um, the only times I ever spend real money on the game are when I'm getting back in, they do these like miniature sets, mini sets, where they release like 66 cards all at once in the middle of an expansion to try and rebalance things. And so when I picked the game up again this time, I spent 20 bucks just to have access to the last one of those because it had a lot of really impactful cards. Um, And it is like, if I'm not spending money on it, otherwise, I think I've spent a total of like 45 to 60 bucks over the course of the game's life. Um, and it's it's just been like these solo that's adventures. That's out of game sets. money, right? That Like your own yeah. money? Okay, yeah, my that's what of, I thought. Of my money. And the rest has been in-game currency. Um, I so think, that's, probably, that's not so bad considering the amount of time you've probably spent on it, I guess. you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like I paid retail price for it for a full-cost game. And I've gotten my money's worth and then some out of that, um, even though... I used to take pride in not spending money on it, and I kind of let go of that after a while. Anyways, I, I think, like, the game economy, like, is pretty friendly. They've started cycling the cards that are in just the set of cards every player gets for free um, at the start of the game, and there's just a ton of legendary cards in that set. Um, there's some really cool ones from back when I was, like, more into the game. Um, like they brought back this group of characters called the League of Explorers, and um, some of those cards are some of my favorites since when I was like really, really into Hearthstone. Um, anyways, it's it's fun. Um, I feel like I need to get off the hamster wheel and finish Elden Ring and Citizen Sleeper, which are both like calling to me, and I just sit on the couch and fiddle with that with YouTube in the background instead. So, yeah. Um, Bellular, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this correctly, but Bellular Gaming or Bellular News on YouTube was the dude who broke down like the microtransactions. Mm. And I'm talking about if anyone who wants to go out there and take a look at it, I I only heard it summarized on a different podcast, but it seems pretty interesting how they got that going. Um. Yeah, cool. Uh, I've just been playing Final Fantasy IX for the most part on my Vita. I've been playing a little bit of, um, I don't know, what's it called? Dying Light 2. I'll probably maybe talk about that next week or in a couple weeks. I feel like I'm going to be playing it for a while because it's kind of long. Final Fantasy IX, I picked up by what I think is my last character, Iko. Iko? Iko? You get one more. Oh. so All the way from the PlayStation 2 you picked them up? <laughs> yes, went all the way back to eat. Isn't that what that game came out on? Eco? No, it came out on the PS One. No, I'm oh, talking Eco. about Eco. Oh, Eco, the uh, was, the yeah, Shadow, like... Shadow of the Colossus prequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that on PS Two or? PS2? Or no, Shadow of the Colossus was the prequel to Eco. Wow, spoilers for that too, dude. Again, how do you know, James? How do you know that for sure? 
it's kind of like the Bloodborne thing, man. Like, there is no way you can deduce that one was before the other by playing both of them. I you don't can. think you, you, you can. You can. Yeah, you totally can. It's the right, ending of oh, Shadow, yeah. Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, yeah. I guess, yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, I'll give you Bleeds that into the start of Eco. Yeah. Interesting. Speaking of Final Fantasy IX, last yeah. week I had a puppy on the stream and I tweeted about it. And uh, when I got off that stream, or after uh, when we stopped the podcast, uh, Chrissy, my partner, looked at me and said, why don't we name the dog Vivi? And so now I'm proud to announce that my brand new puppy is Vivi. She doesn't seem to respond to it just yet. Vivi! No. <laughs> Yay, she Vivi! Does... Hold on. So cute. She is. She is She's adorable. adorable. We're uh, we're still working on training. We've gotten we've gotten a few things down, and she uses her puppy mat as long as she's at home for the bathroom. But if she's anywhere else, she couldn't care less. So we're still working on her. Yeah. But... Hey, the puppy mat's a good thing. I yeah. wish I could teach my dog to use a puppy mat. Then I wouldn't have to go outside in the winter. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, I just got to the Aoife tree. Yeah. So I'm still on disc two out of four discs. And I'm getting to the point. This is, always happens to me when I play JRPGs. Even even happened when I played Xenoblade 2. Like, and I liked I liked the combat in Final Fantasy IX just fine. Yeah. But it's just, it, they just, they're long, man. Yeah, like they are. 25 hours in and I'm just like, good Lord, this is so long. Um, but yeah, the story is super interesting. And I also, you probably mentioned this before, man, but I guess a Final Fantasy IX remake was on that NVIDIA leak. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, a lot of that stuff's been knocked out of the park. Like Dragon's Dogma 2 has been announced. Like there is not yeah. a lot. The things that are left on that leak are pretty much like, just haven't been announced yet is my thought um, i'd be stoked for a final fantasy 9 remake but i'd be really concerned with how it's handled because the, there's a degree of like charm with the fact that you can't hear any of the characters voices mm-hmm. it's got that sort of cartoony style i really just hope they don't go like try and create a naturalistic style to them because they're all they what is it super deformed art like that's they're all their heads are too big um they're oh, all yeah. kind of like they've got these weird proportions and stuff like that to them that creates this really like endearing like almost like you're watching a cartoon while you play the game kind of aesthetic and it allowed them to create more detailed models than in nine and seven but uh anyway it's i, I just think that if you lose that or if you go into like too much of a, a naturalistic look, they're just going to look weird and alien and you might lose the tone of that sort of like it's got a slapsticky element uh, masking a very dark undertone of a game. Yeah. So I don't know. There's I think it's just like that perfect storm on in that format. But I'd I'd be interested to see because I, I, I would just want so many people to experience that story that might not feel comfortable playing an older game like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like I'd be disappointed if they remade it like they are with Seven, where they're, you know what I mean, where they're yeah. actually like redoing it. Yeah. Um, Chris, you're going to, are you planning on playing it still, Chris, anytime soon? 
Yeah. Some well, I was just going to say something that's very funny and I don't want to like it's not like a spoiler, it's not like a story or story spoiler. It's just like a character moment or something. <laughs> yeah, but they there's a part where they like James is 100% right. This game is like hilarious and very charming and it's the moments in it that are funny. It reminds me of like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like it's it's that type of humor kind of where it's very it's 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 kind of slapsticky but not as much slapsticky like it's anyway I, there's a point where the two main characters get married because they have to go across this bridge to like this other area and the only way that they can get there is if they get married in this community that they're in so then the other two members of their party Quinna and Vivi are stuck unless they also get married and Quinna is this like <laughs> like I don't know what he they call they refer to them as every time they talk about Quinna it's she but it's s slash h e like mm. you don't know if it's a male or a female and so and you don't know if Vivi's a male or a female really like it, you have no idea so they get married and then they have to get married so that they can uh, go with them. And then just the the scene in the moment that they're getting married on this altar and then afterwards, like, Quinna tries to kiss Vivi and Vivi's like, no, uh, backs off. It's so funny, man. It is so endearing. Like, it's, it's, I don't know. It It's a great game. Like, uh, and for context, like, Quinna looks like a giant white lick-a-tongue wearing a chef's outfit with clown face face paint and a really long tongue that goes yeah. down i've to their seen that character before yeah i, I yeah. don't know any of the character names but that uh i have seen quinna's like key art yeah <laughs> it is it's funny it's man and it's just like one thing after another you're just like this is ridiculous and also charming at the same time so um i'm having a lot of fun with it i think the I don't know. I'd be disappointed. I can't. Can, are we going to get any more Final Fantasy? We're getting CrossCode remade, or is that what it's called? Not CrossCode. Uh, Crisis oh, Core. Uh, Crisis Core. Yeah, we're getting that. We're getting sixteen. That's a Final Fantasy year. game I've beaten. Nice. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, I, I have not. I'm really excited to play it though. Me too. I'm stoked. Uh, but we're getting three games in the next like eighteen months, right? Yeah. Between sixteen and seven remake and Crisis Core, so. Uh, I don't know that Final Fantasy Nine remake is going to come anytime soon, but yeah, I'd be good it. with it waiting until after Final Fantasy Seven finishes. Yeah, it's all said and done. Oh, the whole trilogy, trilogy, rebirth, and the next one, rebirth, reuse, recycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in that order. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you saw say we get into some news? I like I said, I've been playing uh Dying Light 2, but I you guys it's fun, but I just don't feel compelled to talk about it a lot. Like, it's just like not it's a action RPG kind of game, so maybe next week I'll feel more compelled to talk about it. Yeah, so why don't we get into a little news action? What do y'all say? Okay, I say okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so this is from Cat Bailey at um, IGN. Final Fantasy 16 producer reveals new details on summons, party members, and why it won't be a Final Fantasy theme park. There were a couple of articles, I think, today on what Final Fantasy 16 will and won't be. But um, James, you pulled this one. Do you want to talk a bit about it? Yeah, I just the first thing that jumped out. So I, I read through it and, and uh, basically there he talks about kind of like what kind of the themes of it and stuff like that. But the one that jumped out at me that really interested me was the fact that, hey, they talk about whether you have a party or not, because all of the trailers only shows Clive, the main character, um, doing all this combat stuff. And he seems like he's all alone. So it got people worried that maybe you won't have a party for the first time in a Final Fantasy game. But we've been told, no, that is not true. You will have a party. And in fact, we have a non-human party member, possibly, which is uh, the young wolf pup we saw in the first trailer named Torgal, and he's adorable. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, maybe it's just because I just got a brand new dog that I'm gushing over this. But the fact is, for me, this is huge because having a non-human party member is just such a nice, well, not non-human, but, you know, like non-humanoid party member yeah. is nice because, like, I don't know, I feel like we've they've shied away from the weirder Final Fantasy characters from, like, Final Fantasy 16 had, like, four bizarre, cre- or not 16, sorry, six, had, like, four bizarre characters that were vaguely human. And then uh, Nine has Quina, and it's got, in fact, Nine only has two humans in the cast. And uh, Final Fantasy X had, uh, what is this, Kamari, the the blue mage lion man. So and then, cool. yeah, like, like there's lots of, they had a lot of, and then of course, Seven had a uh, robot <laughs> cat Moogle and a, uh, a lion, flaming lion dude. Like was, Red 13, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, Red 13. I was and being a, vague. And a pilot grandpa. And a pilot grandpa, who is, uh, who's great. But yeah, so I'm just really stoked to see that we're going to have a non like, I don't know, uh, very like standard anime character as your as a party member. So I was excited to hear that. Um, And then like icons are going to be played um, as essentially a, a separate part of a battle where you control the icons, which are the summons. I, I don't know. Everything I read about it, it seem, seems to have uh, eased me in some concerns. And they also mentioned that it will not be open world, but it's going to have large like open play areas, <laughs> play spaces. Or I can't remember the term they, they used in the uh, description, but yeah. that made me feel real good because I am not in the... like. <laughs> it's a Final Fantasy game. It's already going to be long. I don't need another 140-hour game. Yeah. 15 was pretty open world i would say and then but seven remake was more like sectioned off you know what i mean yeah which i preferred more i like the section off feel because i feel like you had more there's more detail in the surroundings there's more i felt like it was more handcrafted and tailored to the player rather than i guess there's some hills here and some (laughs) like you know what i mean like here's a, a few obstacles for you but I did like the feel of driving around in the car in 15. Yeah. And I like uh, just because I'm playing nine, I guess 
it's not weird to me, I guess, that you see your main character, even though you're with a party, because there's a lot of times where you're running around as the main character. And then when you get into battle, like all four of you are there, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the way it's physically represented on the screen or whatever. Yeah. Do you get the sense that this game's going to control like a Devil May Cry game? My understanding is that they have the Dragon's Dogma combat lead on this. I have not played Dragon's Dogma, but I understand it to be more of like an action RPG type thing. Like that's it's the same did... guy who did the combat on DMC3. So like... Yeah, he did... Worked on DMC three. It does look like it's got some of that comboy looking att- like combat, but they did mention that uh, for those who are not like geared toward that style of play, there is going to be a difficulty option setting where like it's it's weird. They were saying like you get this story mode setting, and if you follow that, you get a bunch of items that you can equip to your character that changes the parameters of like enemy AI and stuff like that, making it easier to like. I I didn't fully read into that article myself, but I remember just it like, sounds like in Near Automata how there's like the autoplay chip you can install. Yeah, just the combat handle itself, which is one of the coolest things for me. So maybe uh, it's I, not that I used that. I just thought it was a yeah. great addition to have. Maybe it's going to be somewhere in those veins where it's going to be uh, easier for players. But I, I, I do hope it doesn't go too uh, definitely cry Not that I don't, don't like those games in any way. I just I haven't. I like the Final Fantasy format that they found with seven. And so I'm afraid that they're going to deviate too far from that or try something new and it's not going to work. But yeah, I'm with you, man. I hope they don't go. Like, I don't want it to be an action game. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with it. Yeah. Do you think there will be ways to fiddle with your AI teammates' behaviors a la the Gambit system? Or do you think we're going to be dealing more with just Final Fantasy VII remakes, like ability to equip stuff to them and maybe like pick up a battle stance, but not even take over direct control like you can in Seven Remake? Yeah, I think it's going to flow a little bit closer to that of 15, where they're going to be there. You might be able to trigger some combo abilities with them, but they'll be doing their own thing for the most part. Yeah. And the only version of 15 I ever played was the uh, 15 portable that got ported to Switch. I played um, that version as well. I recently did that version. Was I it, good? it was cute, but I never finished it. It's It's like the abridged version of the game. You don't have like the big open world. You just have these set locations and you go through all the story beats. I thought it was a great way to replay the game after like not wanting not wanting to spend like 20 hours or sorry, not 20 hours, 80 hours. Am I kidding? I played it for like, I think it's only 12 hours long if you play it straight through. Hmm. It's art style kind of reminded me of uh, Final Fantasy IX if it was like modernized a little bit just with the way that they kind of super, super deformed, but not all the way or like, yeah, they're, well, and they're, they're very simplistic. They got like, yeah, the chibi style almost to them. It reminded I'm trying to think it does. It does have like a, like a very polished final fantasy seven look because like they're slightly, I don't know. They're not polygonal, mm-hmm. but they've got like that very like 
they don't have mouths kind of thing. I don't know. It's it was good. I think if you don't if you want to experience the story of uh, 15 without playing a massive open world Final Fantasy game, then it is an acceptable way to get that through. And I think I felt some degrees of the combat was more engaged, was more polished than the actual game. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's see here. Let's talk about Gamescom coming up here in August, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Something I usually look forward to it towards the end of summer. Apparently, PlayStation won't be going, according to Andy Robinson over at Video Games Chronicle. Uh, they're the most recent ones to add their name to uh, to an ever-growing list of people, developers, publishers who won't be going, including Nintendo, Activision, Blizzard, Take-Two, Interactive. What do you all think about that? I guess um, my personal thoughts are like, why why would they go? Not just pandemic, but also like you can do your own thing. You don't really have to go. I feel like this is kind of just going to be status quo. Well, Gamescom is like a public facing, like consumer facing event as well. And so like that's it. That is what differentiated it from E3 initially, other than the fact that it's in Germany. And so like um, down at the bottom of the article from VGC, um, it says one of the things that may be causing it is that they just haven't been planning pre-release demos during the pandemic, which means there's nothing to show off and let players get hands-on with at the show um because i do know like a lot of people were able to do like hands-on stuff back in the day with games in a way that they didn't do in the original iteration of e3 until they yeah. opened it to the public i i mean i i love hearing the news and stuff come out of this stuff but i i'm just as happy having these random like last week or what was that two weeks ago whatever it was like having those random streams and stuff come across and watching those and the content from those is random Xenoblade Chronicles three. (laughs) Did you watch it? No, I saw there's a a game DLC pass or something. Nice. That is a a series that has not made it through the filter. I have a Mm -hmm. filter that keeps series from getting to me because otherwise I would have even more stuff build up on my backlog. Yeah, that's a good filter to have. But that Xenoblade is fun. Have Angie or James, have y'all ever played a Xenoblade game? No, I haven't. I've been wanting to try it, but I haven't actually played it. Oh my goodness, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did you press the button? It's appalled that she hasn't you, played yeah. Xenoblade. <laughs> what have you been doing with your life, Aunt Angie? You have a Switch right here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's your excuse? I thought uh, you were a gamer. Great. I played gamers... the second one, didn't beat it. I don't know, it wasn't yeah. really my jam, though. Same. Okay, so then if it wasn't really anybody's jam, then why am I getting... <laughs> no, let me... <laughs> I guess I should rephrase that. It, it was my jam, it was just fell into the JP, JRPG hole that I always fall into, that where it was just too long. And then I don't think I was using their battle system correctly because I watched a video like after I'd already put 60 hours into it, and I was like, oh... But it was kind of... I don't know. It was just so. Like, here's the thing, though. Unwalled acid. 
As a person who like always reads a strategy guide about how to min-max my character builds before I start playing Jeremy Jeans, I think they're designed for you to be able to get through without doing that. And I mm. imagine the video was a person doing the like fully optimized yes. playthrough. Whereas like you, humble gamer John, you weren't doing it wrong. You just weren't getting the full effect. Yeah. You know? And I can say from playing Final Fantasy IX that you are 100% correct because there's shit on there where I'm like, I don't know what this does and I'm not going to use it because I have no idea what it does. And I'm not going to, I don't, nor do I have the time to read online or whatever to figure out what it is that it does. So like a lot of my characters that use like white magic or usually white magic. Like if I don't need to cure anybody or heal anybody, I just use their attack. Like, even though I'm sure there's other things they can do that are useful, but mm. I, I just find that frustrating. Cause like you said, and as you've said on previous episodes, you're also like a min maxer, like you, you like to do that. And so do I. So I feel like I'm missing out on something by not doing it. And then it makes me not want to play it more. For sure. Well, I do think like the game lets you min max like the reference point i have is final fantasy 7 remake where i didn't like look up how to min max the best builds or like the best material combinations and stuff like that for the most part i just like kind of pushed my way through it for the most part and the only part of the game where i felt like i truly needed help was the fight against that big house like that's the one <laughs> part where i was like i really like did not read the room on this and like refused to lose and used up all of my potions and all of my phoenix downs but like was not understanding what the game wanted for me and the rest of it i was like yeah like i'm not like crushing this game but like honestly it kind of balances i feel like it's more balanced for you to not come in knowing exactly how to break it in half you know yeah hell house was a bastard i, yeah, I agree I, I had a way harder time with the final boss i think oh really yeah but i don't know why Probably because I was rushing towards the end there. I um, wish Hell House was the final boss. <laughs> that would be... The house comes back. Can you just imagine the door, that? the door to the house opens. Yeah. Seth walks out. And then the Come credits kill roll. You. No, no, no. Seth, the, the house comes down and Sephiroth walks in. And it gets oh. one wing. <laughs> you have to fight Hell House with one wing. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, real quick, we'll cover this last one that yeah. I thought was just kind of right in the wheelhouse of what like giant companies like EA and Activision Blizzard, I feel like, is kind of their mantra um, from Tom Ivan over at also Video Games Chronicle that the DICE's new boss says that there's no time for Mirror Edge style projects because <laughs> we're going to focus on Battlefield because they want to get that FPS money, man. I don't know. I just, this is just, I can't under, I don't understand. Not that Mirror's Edge was a, uh, I never played it. I know a lot of people like it. It's kind of like one of those cultish types games. I feel like where you, it, the people who played it and liked it, like are really, uh, adamant about it. But, uh, it's just interesting to me that as someone who doesn't play first person shooters that often, that there is this much of a market for first person shooters, especially how with how horrible the 2042 is done. Yeah. And well, for me, it's like, God, can I feel so bad for the developers 
because like it's not just like the gamers who get to lose out on like kind of these cool little offshoot games, but the developers sit there and they have to make essentially the same game for what? (laughs) Like ever while they're working with this studio? It's just like like those little side projects, those passion little like side games like Mirror's Edge and stuff like that. They were wild. They were crazy. And yes, they got a cult, a small following of devoted gamers that really were into them. And it's like, we're just not going to get any more of that. We're just going to get more of the same over and over and over again. It's going to drive these people into like this monotonous drone. And I don't think that's going to create good games. I think there needs to be that little breakup game that some of the studio um, devs get to work on and kind of, I don't know refresh themselves yeah yeah some people uh, like the seasons that keep that these games keep pumping out like halo's pumping out gears pu- is pumping out too um and battlefield now fortnite fortnite, fortnite yeah <laughs> um but they like these seasons and, and be- i think because it bombed so hard and they didn't want it to the and people are pissed off about it they want to get their fans back mm. i i'm assuming that's just why they're doing it um, not saying it does seem like an all hands with, on but... deck kind of problem to have twenty forty two come out and just be like critically panned and not hit for people. I think probably have a sense like Angie was saying that they really need to try and do a big turnaround on it. Of course, I was correct. Really quickly, like Googled Mirror's Edge Catalyst sales numbers, um, and from twenty sixteen, uh, it says it sold between. 1.7 and 2.0 oh, 1.7 and 2 million units oh. um, according to Pactor um, which was actually fewer than Mirror's Edge 1's 2.5 million that I'm seeing just in Google headlines and so you know I think and I'm one of those weirdos who liked Mirror's Edge 1 I think the aesthetic of that universe is incredible um, I like probably had a worse experience with that game than most people did because I was doing the no guns achievement playthrough. And like, there was just like parts where I just had to do it over and over and over again because I wasn't shooting anyone. Um, And so like, I, of all people should have been like hyped about the sequel. I was hyped about the sequel and I got it on like some heavily discounted sale and just like, or got it as like a games with gold or something. And just was not, I don't feel like they, hit a home run on that second Mirror's Edge game. Although... That's what I've heard. To bring it full circle to our talk about the NVIDIA leak being, like, mostly confirmed so far, there is a Mirror's Edge game listed on the NVIDIA leak, which is baffling to see the news, then, that DICE does not have time to work on it. Um, But DICE is owned by... Aren't they owned by someone? EA? EA, yeah. So maybe they maybe they just have a different studio doing it. Yeah, or it could be. I mean, it could be that some of those things for the Nvidia leak are in fact not true and have been canceled or whatever. And yeah, so it's a Mirror's Edge ray tracing remaster. I don't. I wonder if that's Mirror's Edge one, but like redone. So that could be farmed out to a different studio. Dice doesn't need to do the remake. Yeah, exactly. So you know. If it's a ray tracing remaster, maybe that means. I mean, the aesthetic of that is so clean already. And if you had the ray tracing, I'm sure it would like the shadows would pop and like the lighting and reflections on the mirror, on the glass and stuff, on the mirrors, on who, 
on which's edges you are on. <laughs> that was a bad sentence. I was trying to be grammatically correct. It you got there. You did it. It went, went poorly on for you. <laughs> the mirrors on which edge you the stand. Mirror, the edge of the mirror. What's the plur? Anyways. Um, so I think that could be getting done somewhere else. I agree that I like to see folks experiment. I'm from the era where if you heard new IP at E3, you frothed at the mouth and cheered and ranted and chanted, regardless of if it was in a genre you cared about at all. So like, I, I like, I get it. I, I want teams to be able to experiment, but I also think as games kind of, as Angie said, become these things that are just services that have a life cycle that could go on for years, it's harder to have the team pivot to doing something else. Um, it, it feels like that's what these offshoot like indie studios of people leaving the big studios tend to end up doing. It's like, oh, well, this is the project we really wanted to be able to work on at Blizzard. So we left and started Frost Giant and now we have our free to play RTS uh, just as one example, right? And so like, I imagine that's maybe part of what leads to people leaving, right? Is that creative frustration? Which I'm not trying to justify. I'm just saying, you know, it's kind of a reality of the industry right now. Well, like I'll, I'm looking at a list of dice, the games dice has made. Like, I, there's nothing notable on there, except for their battlefield games and the battlefront games. So, like, and Mirror's Edge. Like, I mean, it's on that makes it even more, I guess, unfortunate that they're not making a Mirror's Edge game because that's one of the few games that it looks like have been like in their successful catalog of games, but anywho. Oh, you don't uh, think 2001's Shrek for the Xbox is a successful game? That mean, wasn't, wasn't that 2001's game of the year though? <laughs> it's on GameCube and Xbox. It has a 4.9 <laughs> audience rating on Google from 60 reviews. Okay. I'm wrong. I guess. <laughs> um, so what's the worst glitch you've had in a game is going to be our question all the way out. Sorry to rush it, but I can't yeah, leave yeah. my kid. Uh, you know, they call the police and stuff for those types of things. But oh yeah, yeah, we do have a mostly normal question this week, and it is what's the worst glitch you've experienced in a game? And I'll, I'll go first. That, I was going to oh, say, I'll say the, the Dead Space one that my nephew <laughs> had to deal with. That's yeah. frustrating. You finish the game, but you can't actually finish the game because you have to redo it. Yes. Get stuck in a tentacle of sorts. <laughs> Who hasn't been there? Uh, all the, mine was the one I referenced earlier where I got soft locked in Evolution is the name of the JRPG. Evolution, the world of sacred device. And no, I didn't read that wrong. It's world of sacred device, not the world of a sacred device or the sacred device. It's just the world of sacred device. But it was a cool JRPG, and it apparently got good rate. It's 4.6 out of 5 on eBay. 92% of people liked it, so maybe I should figure out a way how to dream get, uh, what do you call it? Emulate Dreamcast? Mm-hmm. And go back and play it. But, James, Chris, you guys remember getting locked out of a game or glitched? I have a, I have a sad story about Final Fantasy IX. Oh no. And uh, 
there was a notorious problem with Final Fantasy IX back in the day, and I remember the day it happened to me, and I was devastated. I was on the third disc, I was doing so well, and I went to load up my game, and I just got the notification off the memory card that says file is corrupted. Uh. And it's just that, and that's it. That's all. You start again, I guess. And I was wrote. so choked. I, I yeah, I think that's like the absolute worst that can ever happen to you in a game is just show up and your game doesn't that you start from you have to start from scratch. Um, other than that, other than that, uh, I had a pretty infuriating one from Mario Sunshine where I ran and did a belly slide and fell through the floor of the world. <laughs> <laughs> and died so i remember that one i think i even caught that on on i screen captured that one i think it was the newer the re-release that it happened on me and i was like god are you kidding me are nice. you kidding me but super frustrating i um, clipped through the ground in bloodborne i think what in one of in one of the souls likes and just kept falling for an eternity oh man just kept, kept going um that's the, you know, it's not probably the worst glitch to ever happen to me. When I think of glitches, I think of Halo 2, and I think of a good time. <laughs> that was a playground, but I do not have time to get into those stories right now. Um, but yeah, I have, a, I have a positive association with the word glitches because of how much fun it was doing stuff in Halo 2. Interesting. We should do a, an episode just on, like, positive glitches. Yeah, that would be Or just blast. glitches in general or something like that. So Sounds good. Um, Anyway, I got to dip out of here. Thank you all for joining us this week. Uh, you can find me at Johnny Samsonite. You can find the podcast at MN Gamers Podcast on Twitter. Email us to podcast at mostlynormalgamers.com. Send us a text or voicemail to 507-291-2991. Uh, what else? James, where can people find you? At Butlord Primus on socials. Yeah. Yep. I'm just going to say that. Why are you hiding your face? I've been muted because my dog keeps playing with this ball. It's really, really loud and really squeaky. Oh, but you okay. can find me at Stellar Smalls on Twitter. <laughs> Fair enough. And Chris? At VG Occasion on Twitter, where I occasionally Sweet. talk about video games. Occasionally. And check out the, uh, the MN Gamers podcast Twitter account. They just posted a question that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh. We did. We're all here. I know. It's ghost. Spooky. <laughs> Ooh, ghost gamers. <laughs> all right, y'all. Have a good week. Bye. 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 Bye.